everybody and welcome to Roll It, a movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan, and with me as always is my friend and co-host, Ty Lore. How you doing, Ty? How's it going, man? It's going all right. It's going all right. I, uh, yeah, can't complain on this end. Um, so. Feels like it's been it, a long time since we've, since we've It does. I yeah, think and, it's and it hasn't. It's been the normal. <laughs> it's been the normal. We went full two weeks from i guess when we normally go for weeks but we did like a sunday recording last time we're doing sunday recording this time uh yeah no i know what you mean it does feel like a long time these last yeah i know the last two weeks for me have been taking a while to go through or it feels like it's been a long time it feels like the last two weeks have been a lot longer than two weeks at least on my end i know what you mean yeah. um so this week i mean complain about how slow time is moving past two weeks I mean, could you imagine being uh, Randall Adams in uh, the Texas State prisons between like seventy-seven and uh, like eighty-eight? For like twelve years, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that time moved pretty pretty slow. Pretty um, slow. Because this week we are doing the Errol Morris do- documentary, "The Thin Blue Line" from 1988, starring Randall Adams and David Harris, and of course, like I said, directed by Errol Morris. So, Ty. What did you uh, What did you think about this movie, dude? I loved it. I thought it was a great. Um, and it's it's. I think I think nowadays when you're talking about like murder and like cold cases and stuff like that, the reenactments can get kind of cheesy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I really i I loved all the. I loved the. I I guess I would call it minimalist minimalist way of like shooting this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I just lo- I loved how they portrayed it all and how they shot it. To be honest, uh, and the story is just crazy because yeah. you really it's, it's you really don't know until the end. Like you, I mean, it, I looked it up a little bit beforehand. I looked up the backstory, so I knew, but you really don't know in the movie because you're just kind of like how because you're kind of in the same boat as like the investigator or well, not the investigators, but as Aaron Morris, I guess. Yeah, more you're just kind of like maybe I don't know, you know, until the mm-hmm. end when you hear it and you're just like, wow, you know. Yeah, you're putting it all together throughout, and you're like, I'm pretty right. sure this this dude is innocent, you know. And yeah. like you, like I, I, that's why I mean, this was this one's this is a, a pretty famous, I guess, uh, documentary. It's like one of the ba- biggest or most known documentaries ever made. Um, yeah. just because of what it did and its ramification, like it's real life ramifications. Um, so yeah, I did know, I, that's why I wanted to do it is I knew the general, I knew what it was about and knew, you know, uh, what it, what it did for, you know, somebody on death row and it like saved somebody's life and it got, you know, changed everything for this person. But yeah, I think when, even with that in the back of your mind, when you're watching here, it's it's interesting to see how everything unfolds and like you know, working through this as Aaron Morris like gives you different information to like put the pieces together. Uh, yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, for sure. And it, it, in a way, it re- kind of reminds me of uh, what's the movie that we did? Um, dang it. Uh, Oh man, we must have did it like three years ago. What? Um, oh, oh, uh, the act of killing. The uh, n- well, well, that's Aaron Morris, but yeah, no, 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 uh, no, no, no. Act of killing is uh, the one with uh, in what was it? 
Uh, oh yeah, yeah, that was that. Yeah, that was uh, documentary about the war crimes. Right. That is that the one you're thinking sure. of? Sure. No, that's not the one I'm thinking of. I'm thinking oh. about the uh, fog of war. The the no, it's not a documentary. It's the <laughs> the lawyer who gets uh, the guy exonerated. Uh, he oh, just uh, put behind bars because he was black. Uh, shoot, with uh, <sighs> it's like a it's like a more recent movie too. I don't yeah, know why. yeah, yeah, yeah. I really yeah. liked it. I saw it in theaters. Um, why am I shoot. blanking on the name? What's his name? Uh, Brian? Is it Brian? Uh, well, Brian. that might be the real. I'm thinking of the actor, the actor that's oh. the lawyer uh, is. Uh, oh, he's in Black Panther. Uh, oh, here, what? Just Mercy. Just Mercy, yeah. Whew, that took a long time. That took way too long. <laughs> Ooh, that was that was t- that was difficult. Um, yeah, Michael B. Jordan and uh, Jamie Fox. We really forgot both of their names. <laughs> uh, Michael B. Jordan was the guy I was trying to think of. Yeah, but who, anyway, who Michael B. Jordan play. I think it was anyway. uh, Brian. Now you got it, Stevenson. Brian Stevenson. Okay, yeah. Ooh, we got there. We, we got, got there. there. It took us a couple minutes, but we got there. Um, in in the way that like you're kind of, you just like don't know. How, I mean, it makes you kind of feel uneasy about just being wrongfully in prison. Like I couldn't even imagine twelve years. However long, yeah, it was I think it was twelve years. He got out mm-hmm. in eighty nine, right? This movie came out in eighty eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and he got out in eighty nine, and I mean I feel like probably that that one year was probably longer than the first twelve or thirteen, you know, probably twelve of thirteen. I mean, like I feel like that last year from the documentary coming out, it, I don't know if he saw it or or what, but um, that was probably the longest year of his life. I can't even imagine that, just like the feeling of just being wrongfully mm-hmm. imprisoned. It's it's kind of just sickening to think about. Like I don't know how people can then just to be so calm about it all. Yeah, and like I mean, no, and I get and he has that like kind of righteous indignation he has multiple times in the documentary of like right. just like how you know he's like pretty much just how crazy. But it's like at that point, whatever, twelve, eleven years in, whatever it was in eighty eight, so. And however long, whenever they filmed that, actually. Uh, but 10 or 11 years in, it's like, yeah, it's messed up and you got screwed and you're in there for no reason, really. I mean, how long can you keep up the energy to be mad and angry? Right. and You know what I mean? And be energetic about it. You just kind of like, well, you know, that's what this movie, this movie is interesting because it's like, both hopeful in the sense like wow this movie literally changed somebody's life like it has movies and have that power to be able to do that and people can do that people you know can almost single-handedly if you know you get like Aaron Morris you get on something and you know you can keep digging until you save somebody's life but at the same time it's like so hopeless that it's yeah. like this is the system and it's like what there's no like how do you how do you change this system that's so messed up that can you know lead to things like this it feels uh it's it's pretty depressing at the end of the day yeah. even though he got out like it's well the end of the movie isn't necessarily a happy ending in terms of like it's still it, you know the technical movie itself quote unquote because it ends with him still in jail even 
but like it has a happy ending i guess because he gets out due to the movie but at the same time it's like well this really like there was no reason for this to happen in the first place uh, sure. and, and i i was i was wrong yeah. he it was six months six months after the movie came out then uh that he, it i knew was it was overturned. pretty quick they uh yeah i thought it was a year but it was six months it came out yeah, yeah. uh but yeah it's uh I'm I'm gonna we're gonna talk about these or I'm gonna talk about these, but I know you probably watch this on Criterion Channel. I'm guessing. I did. Yep. Uh, and there was a couple of shorts or a few different shorts that go with it on there. One by uh, one by Marlon James. One by Joshua Oppenheimer, who he did like a 50 minute one. I really liked his short. It was just him talking about this movie and Joshua Oppenheimer is the guy who directed the act of killing, which we just okay. mentioned a few minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was really good. You should watch that if you haven't yet. Um, and then, uh, like a 40 or 45 minute one from with era Morris talking about it. But anyway, so there's, I mean, but they, it, it's, it's, uh, they all kind of mentioned this, but it's, they all, Especially Oppenheimer, because uh, 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 Marlon James, his is only like three minutes, because he just talks about like, oh, you know, uh, this kind of changed the way people look at documentaries and like how I look at documentaries and stuff like that. His was more surface level. But Oppenheimer and Morris really kind of dig into like what this movie gets to, like the heart of this movie and like uh, how hopeless it feels and how, uh, you know, uh, what is what is the meaning of truth and like where where do we get truth and you know all kinds of stuff i thought i thought those were super interesting and we'll talk about those later but yeah i just wanted to mention those and like i thought you know i thought this does have a big maybe not big but i i could definitely see the tie-in with active killing even without oppenheimer doing his little thing but of kind of people (sighs) Well, let, well, well, let, let me come back to that later. I want to let me do a summary first, and then we'll yeah, because I, I, I think that I could think I kind of get where take you're us going down a too. rabbit hole. So yeah, yeah, let's get into the uh, let's get into the summary real fast. I I feel like at this point though, you kind of already get it if you haven't watched it. Um, I mean, but yeah, let's it's, jump into it. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be pretty much a uh, yeah, a real broad summary because I'm not gonna get into the specifics because there's a lot of. Spoiler, there's a lot of repetition in this documentary, but uh, slightly different repetition, I guess. Um, So, anyway. In Dallas County in 1976, police officer Robert Woods is murdered at a traffic stop. Randall Dale Adams is soon taken into custody and convicted of murder. Through a series of interviews with Adams, detectives, the judge, the DA, lawyers, witnesses, and a man named David Harris, as well as reenactments of possible happenings, Errol Morse investigates the case. Uh, he, and we the audience, find through this process that something is rotten in Dallas. At, by the end, Adams seems to be an innocent man who it was convenient for the police and the state to give the death penalty to, while the seemingly real killer, Harris, got off. The film ends with Adam still on death row, still claiming his innocence, and Harris all but confessing while imprisoned for murder himself. End of movie. And as an epilogue, not not connected to the movie, but an epilogue, I guess that's the first thing we'll talk about, I guess, if there's much to talk about. But 
uh, this movie pretty much single-handedly got uh, Adams out of jail. Harris was never taken into court for it or convicted of this crime. They just kind of, I guess they technically left it unsolved. Uh, even though pretty much yeah. pretty clear that I don't know why they Harris did was I, never tried for the, the murder of the Dallas officer. And all I can figure is just like that. I can't remember her name, but the one lawyer that was interviewed that worked for, there was the, the two lawyers for Adams yeah. and I can't remember her name, but she was like, pretty much the only reason it seems like they tried Adams rather than Harris is because they could give Adams a death penalty. Yeah. And so I, that might be why he was already in jail for murder and they're like, why let's he's, we're going to kill him anyway. So like, we're fine. Just letting this one go. And, uh, because we can't give them the death penalty for this one because he was still, you know, regardless of his age now, he's still 16 at the time. So like, Screw it. Let's not put in the effort. We'll just kill him anyway. Uh, yeah. That's all I could figure, which is just like kind of depressing in, its, in and of itself. But yeah. uh, anyway, and then I don't the know other if you lawyer, have... The other lawyer just ended up essentially quitting jury trials because it broke. Yeah, <laughs> that was, yeah, that was pretty depressing. But that's, I mean, I think about that all the time and like following following lawyer and criminal justice stuff. And I just think like, I just don't know if I could like, it's so <laughs> just the, the amount of injustices. Like, I, I just don't know. I mean, I'm glad that people do it and are willing to keep fighting and like people are help, you know, through these things. But like, yeah, it is pretty depressing at how, uh, <laughs> often things go wrong and justice is miscarried. It's yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of frightening. Like because it yeah. Like it's so the way that they even met is so kind of sporadic and serendipitous too. That it's just like whoa, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Moral of the story is never never talk to strangers. <laughs> yeah. Stranger danger, hundred percent. Straight. Even if you're an adult, just stay away from yeah. people you don't know. Uh, because then they might kill somebody and you might get framed for it. Um, but it, it made me think the, the, uh, in that Morris, I guess, interview, um, he talks about like, uh, opposition to the death penalty and, uh, like most people are opposed to it because, or like a lot of people are opposed to it. And like a big argument is, you know, because mistakes can be made, just like this one shows. It's like mistakes can be made, and like we shouldn't take the chance of innocent people being killed by the state. You know, mm-hmm. when everything's ran by humans who you know have flaws and uh, screw up. You can also be opposed to it. I, like I'm opposed to the death penalty on moral ground. Like I don't think anybody should be killed at all by the state. Like I don't think the death mm-hmm. penalty should exist. But I think. I mean, a large portion of that is because, I mean, we convict innocent people all the time and like they really shouldn't be killed, but I don't think anybody should be killed. But anyway, Morris was saying like, that's a big argument. It's like innocent people shouldn't be killed. And he's like, that's right. But I think he's like the argument I don't hear very often, not just that innocent people are, or mistakes are made and innocent people are put on death row. It's that the, the death penalty itself What's he, he says, uh, the death penalty itself engenders mistakes and invites them. 
because just like that lawyer said, the only reason they took in Randall Adams was because they could give him the death penalty. And, right. you know, when he, they're interviewing him, he's like, I, they didn't give a damn if I was innocent. They didn't give a damn if I was guilty. All he cared about was, you know, how they were going to kill me or when they were going to kill me. Yeah. Once they, you know, the prosecutors or the police or whatever, you know, set their sights on the death penalty, they don't really care about anything else. And it's just like we need to <laughs> raw punishment, you know, regardless of anything else, whether the, the case fits or not. We've we've set our targets and we're going to do it one way or another. And, you know, like like Morris says, he's like, once you once you get to that point, you're just inviting mistakes to be made because you're trying so hard to pin it on somebody to kill somebody just so yeah. there's somebody killed for this crime. Uh, yeah. Which is pretty messed up. It, 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 it's it's crazy how it like just breaks these people, too, you know, Um especially like like Adams and stuff. Like we were talking whenever he was going through, you're just like, man, he's just so numb to it. And there's a, uh, I think it's a Time article from April 3rd, 1989, and he's, he's talking about right after he was released, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was released and he was 40, and he said that he has like no, re- he, he doesn't want to pursue any revenge on the, uh, any revenge because it could just poison his happiness. And then he said he's learned after those years that, uh, he's just going to think the worst and hope the least of people. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, unfortunately, I feel like that's, you know, what a lot of people, whether you're wrongfully convicted of murder or not, I feel like that's how a lot of people end up like that when they, you know, see the yeah. uh, the terribleness in the world. It's uh, well, you know, uh, my sister has a print on her wall. It says pessimistic, but hopeful. Uh, which isn't the exact same thing, but kind of like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's like, well, you know, Hey, we'll see what happens, but I'm not going to really hope for anything good, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty depressing, man. I know. And, and like, yeah, I just, I can't even, I, I can't even fathom it. It's just like, like, <laughs> I don't know, man, it's. I couldn't even imagine. Like it's like the most sinking feeling. And and at first you're you're kind of like, well, was he with him when when it happened? You know. And I think that's what I love about the actual cinematography of the entire movie, the entire documentary, is that it's so simplistic, and and the way that they show you the same scene in different ways. I, I think they show the shooting of the cop, probably, I don't know, ten times throughout the film, maybe, maybe oh, less. At least. Maybe maybe uh, I was more. gonna say at least yeah yeah it's a lot it is a lot but the but the way or or some semblance of it whether it cuts to right. black or whatever yeah yeah but the way that they show every every shot every every like scene gives you a different idea or different impression impersonation impersonation of what could have happened. And so it, it's kind of it's kind of crazy because I mean and and then when you think through it you're putting more stock into thinking through this entire scene because you have all these visuals than most of the jury would even hear you know what I mean mm-hmm. because you're at least seeing it from two different sides which I mean that's what is supposed to happen but obviously doesn't when you have uh something like this going on you know yeah and what he talks Morris talks about this in that uh, interview. And he says, like, reenactments, normally a reenactment in a documentary or whatever, 
any kind of reenactment. It's it normally turns your brain off, you know, mm-hmm. because you're just you're accepting this information as a re like a literal reenactment of what happened. You say right. you see this and you say, oh, this is you know what happened, which is interesting because every single reenactment is uh, uh, Randall Adams is in the car doing the yeah. shooting. And it's interesting because at the end, of course, that's not what happened. Well, pretty likely that's not what happened. Uh, and it's, uh, which he says, he says in that interview, he said, I've never been more certain of anything in my life than of Randall Adams' innocence in this. Um, but anyway, said you, you're, or the reenactment normally turns your brain off. And that's why it's, it's so interesting of, of why he, like you said, he does it a million different times. Well, not a million, does it a bunch of different times with these little tiny tweaks and each, each of the witnesses that he brings in, he shows there, you know, a little something different happening, whether the other, whether his partner was out of the car in the car, you know, where she threw the milkshake, blah, 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 blah. And it kind of, as this keeps going, it's kind of making you say like, well, these reenactments all are all lies, you know, yeah. there's nothing true because they're all, they're all just a hair different. So like, what is, what is the actual reality? And you come to the conclusion, well, the actual reality is, is not shown. It's impossible to know, you know, right. the real truth because everything's so clouded by the, uh, you know, the subjectivity of what, of the knowledge we're piecing together. For sure. And I think too, like it shows, it shows that that confusion or the tension so well throughout it. You know what I mean? Because at times you're like, okay, I could, I could see why they would think that. And then you're like the entire time you're like, Oh, like you think nobody was around. And at the very last minute, you kind of find out at the same time that you know, Randall Adams and his attorneys find out that, they're out of nowhere. There were just two cars that drove past that happened to say they saw it too. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then that, Oh man, that woman, dude, that, <laughs> what was her name? Oh my gosh. That got Emily me upset, Miller. dude. dude. That got me upset. A, seems like a, just a terrible person, just a terrible person. And she was basically saying just like, I just love, I love being involved, you know? <laughs> yeah. That but was, I think, yeah. Oh no, good. No, I, no, go ahead. I was going to talk about Aaron Morris mentions her specifically, but go ahead. Oh, what's he say say about her? Because I was going to change the topic. So I want to like, I just wanted to say for the record, what (laughs) she said, he's like, she said the craziest thing I have ever heard anyone say on any of any film ever. And well, maybe he says any documentary ever, but he's like, she, he's like, I asked her, uh, cause he played in this interview with him. It like, of course plays back, you know, clips of, from her talking in the, in his, in the documentary itself. Mm-hmm. And anyway, he's like, I asked her what, well, you, you, you picked out the wrong person in the complete, in the police lineup. And she says, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, well, I, I know, but like, how do you know that you picked out the wrong person? Like, you know, what, <laughs> when you picked out the wrong person, how do you know it was the wrong person? You know? Right. And, He's like, and she said, but well, how did she when, know I, that it was the wrong person. Exactly. And, uh, and she's like, well, when I picked the, the wrong guy, she, uh, the police officer said, no, no, it's not that one. It's the other one. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, he's like, it was, it was, it was just crazy that she was saying this. And then she, uh, and then he's like, and then 
when she gets in the courtroom, of course she she points right to Randall Adams, and he's and like, says, "Yeah, this is the man. This is this the man. is the yeah." He's like, "She's just lying right to you know." And but he talks about this of you know what what uh, does he talk about this or Oppenheimer might talk about it too. Uh, I think Oppenheimer. I wish I would watch the this. Oppenheimer short. You should. It's only 15 minutes, so you can yeah. go through it pretty quick. Yeah, I saw it. Um, no, I saw it. Uh, I actually brought it up when you were talking about it, so it's it's queued up on the, in um, the tabs, but I need to watch that after this. But he talks about, like, how easy it is for us to lie to ourselves, you know, and to pretty. And I, it made me think about a movie we've also covered in the past. We're bringing up a lot of uh, past yeah. movies that people can go back and revisit. Uh, but of Memento, because like the whole meaning of that or a big theme in that movie is like lie to yourself to give yourself meaning of what, you know, of for your life. And it seems like that's what she's doing. Like she talks about, like, I always wanted to be a, you know, a detective or married to a detective. Um, and, you know, I always wanted to be involved and I'm always around, and, you yeah. know, I'm always seeing these things. And like, I try to beat the police to what they're going to do. And that's and, crazy, right? Like, did they, <laughs> did, did they, did they, I mean, it seems like she was so willing to just talk about this, too, and talk about her want to be in this bubble, this want of, like, I wouldn't even call it celebrity, but, like, I guess celebrity in, like, the... um, She wants to be important. She wants to, yeah, she wants to feel empowered in some way. Exactly. She wants to have, she wants, like, yeah, she wants to fe- wield power and, like, cause, make a difference, whether that's for good or ill. She wants yeah. to feel like she's making a difference in the world. And, uh, yeah, she just seems like a terrible At person. zero costs. <laughs> yeah. And and she says, she's like, I, you know, it's always everywhere I'm everywhere I'm at. There's always people like, you know, uh, being assaulted or killed or whatever. I'm always yeah. around. I'm always. And it's like, well, that's kind of weird. First of all, that you just so happen to be around all this stuff uh, that you can, you know, it's so conveniently point of figure of to who did everything. But yeah, it, it, but like I was saying that Oppenheimer, he talks about like, you know, lying, lying to yourself and you know how easy it is to lie to ourselves and trick ourselves. Yeah. And I, I think that's, I like, it, also, it made me think of that George Costanza line. It's not a lie. If you believe it, like, I don't know yeah. if she believes all of her lies and, or if, and you know, if she just lies so much at, that she actually believes her, own testimony and doesn't yeah. really feel bad that she's doing this. But yeah, just the, the, <laughs> the way she talks about things of like, Oh yeah, I always, I just always wanted to do this and like to nab these guys. And it's like, well, and that's how we were. In, and that's how we were introduced to her. So that even changes the perspective too. You know what I mean? On, mm-hmm. on how we perceive her. And I think that's what I really love about, I mean, I, I, Errol Morse, the same thing with Oppenheimer's The Act of Killing, too. The same kind of thing happened throughout it, where it's almost like these uh, documentaries are almost like an onion. You know what I mean? You start peeling back, but you don't know where you're starting and if you're going outward or inward. Because sometimes I feel like you start with the truth and you back off to where they were. But these ones are, uh, it's almost like the entire discovery phase. You know, you're going through it with like Morris and, and, I think more than just like being a great filmmaker, he he's such a great storyteller to know how to frame everything out to give a, a pretty, I mean, I wouldn't say, you know, I like, I think with 
Yeah, I mean, I would say it actually. Like to give a full fo- a full picture of a full view of like, all right, they're saying this because this is what they know and this is what they believe, kind of thing. But then, he, mm. then he talks to these people. You know what I mean? And, and you're just like, dang, did nobody else ask these questions? Because these aren't like, I feel like he's not <laughs> exactly. asking like earth shattering questions. You know? No, like, it's a, like yeah. I, it seems like he was just like, oh, like, what did you want to be when you grew up? To that girl, mm. she was like, Phew, I've always loved being in it. You know, I just love yeah. knowing things. Nabbing like, guys. yeah, <laughs> having guys. Always wanted to be a detective and put people behind bars. And, and since I didn't get actual training in it, I don't really care who it is. I just like being a part of it. <laughs> yeah, and I think I th- yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, I was just gonna say, but it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. It's it's crazy that, and and I don't think, and that's I think that's the crazy part. It's just like with this, you're just like is. And the same thing with the act of killing. It's just like, I mean, obviously it's a lot different in the act of killing than it is with like, we're talking about war crimes aside from like this one instance. Um, But he, I mean, I was just going to say like, they just open up with Errol Morris and it's just like a knack for, I don't know what it is. Like what, what do you think it is about his style of filming or interviewing or, well, or him, like that, they, they can really bring this out in people, you know. Well, he talks about this in the interview. He says, like, a lot of people think that uh, the more you're around, did he talk about that, or did I? I keep getting theirs mixed up. I think he talks about that, but uh, shoot, I can't remember now. Might have been Oppenheimer. Uh, you'll have to go. You'll have to go watch and tell me which one's which. <laughs> Um, but I mean, but either way, one they of those, both have but, the same knack for doing it. Yeah. Yeah. But one of them, they talk about like a lot of people think documentary documentarians, like if you're around these subjects for like a sustained amount of time, like long periods of time, like people kind of just forget that you're there and will act normally. Right. He's like, I don't, I don't think that's true. Like people, I don't think it really matters at all like how long you're there. Like people still act differently when they're being watched versus when they know they're alone. That's, yeah. I, that's just a fact, whether that camera's that's been there nature. your whole life or not. Yeah. You're going to perform differently. And I think it's part of that performative nature. I think that it's almost like, which we talked about that in act of killing, but I think this too, I think there's less, well, I know there's less realization in this one from the, I would the quote unquote guilty parties in this. And I'm when I say guilty, I mean like the police, the DA, the judge, uh, the witnesses, there's less coming to terms with their own lies and their own misdeeds than there is an act of killing. Um, but I think the same, the, the thread that goes through them both is through their performing or their performing, they're performing for the camera of explaining themselves and, you know, explaining what happened, Morris is giving Morris and this and Oppenheimer and the act of killing. They're both giving their subjects enough rope to hang themselves with, you know, and they're kind of just letting them talk. And just like that, Emily Miller, you know, you just let her talk long enough and she's going to say something stupid. And that, you know, goes against what, you know, she actually thought or what I actually said or actually saw or whatever. Like, you know, that can be easily uh, disproven. And I think the same thing goes for, you know, the police or the DA or whatever. And then, or the, you know, the murderers in act of killing. 
and at the end of that, like he, especially the one, I can't remember his name now, but he has a full on breakdown. It's because like through talking to Oppenheimer and doing these reenactments that they do and stuff like that, he actually comes to a realization that he screwed up and did horrible things. Um, whereas this, I don't, the, the characters themselves don't, or at least don't on camera. You don't know whether they did afterwards or not, but they don't on camera, but we, the audience see them doing that and see them, you know, uh, uh, yeah, pretty much. And, and, and I think the same is, themselves for lack of a better word. And I think the same is true for in, in the fog of war too. Um, yeah, yeah. He, you know, it, it's showing these characters coming to grips with like the reality and, and on, on Aaron Morris, uh, there's an interview here, but you know, it's going back and forth between thin blue line, the, the fog of war. Um, this is on arrowmorris.com. I, I never finished that statement, but he wrote Morris wrote in a New York times op-ed, um, after the Marine shootings in, um, of a prisoner in Fallujah. And I think this is, this is true to his way of viewing humanity. I, I think Errol Morris and, you know, Oppenheimer too, they're, they have a very distinct way of viewing and, and questioning human behavior. And, um, I think their perspectives on it is, is kind of what we get to see in these documentaries. And I think that's, what's so valuable about it. But, um, more Morris is quoted. He wrote, that if you want to believe some things, then we often find a way to do so, regardless of evidence to the contrary. And this is mm-hmm. a line which I think can wrap up the, the last 10 minutes that we've been talking about. But he says, believing is seeing and not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, people, like we were saying at the very beginning too, like the police, they, you know, once they pin their guy. They believe it. They get, and that's and they that believe is how it. it went down. In, and in, the in DA, mind, that's what, what yeah. happened. And yeah, same thing with like the DA or whatever. They don't care what other evidence comes up to exonerate him or prove his innocence. It's like, no, we got to we got to work around that to prove that this guy's guilty. Because like, you know, because we that's this is the guy. This is the guy we got. So this is the guy we're going to going to nail, you know. So sure. it's uh, yeah, I think that's that's totally true. Uh, but I read that and I was just like, damn, you know, because that is exactly yeah. <laughs> that. But but when you think about but even even in the fog of war with with McNamara, you know what I mean? Like what was happening in Vietnam was whatever he was believing was going on. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter the truth, you know, and, and the same the same is uh, it can be said for the, the act of killing too. like in his head. He thought uh, I forget his name. And, and it's probably confusing because I, I, we're throwing around a couple different documentaries mm-hmm. here, but um, it's not that he knew. It's not that he thought it wasn't wrong, you know, when he was making these killings, but he thought it was justified in some fashion, right? And, and until until it's really pulled out of him, and he can, he has to almost just be with these facts that he's like. You, you start to see the. I don't know the the like the gears cranking in in him understanding that like this was wrong you know it's it's the unraveling of all this tension that really shows uh, I think the true sense of human nature in these documentaries. Yeah, no, and I, I that's and that's what's hard to wrap my head around is watching this and like watching somebody like the DA or whoever, but especially like like the, like the DA in this and. 
thinking like, well, the judge too, I think was a real, uh, piece of work, but, uh, but anyway, but thinking like, (laughs) it's like that meme, like, uh, are we the baddies? You know, it's like, how do they, I just, I can't figure out if they really think they're doing the right thing and like are actually getting the right person or if they're just awful people. Like, I can't believe that they would not want to take in the correct person. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't think they would want to do that. Like if, if I think that's, what's always forgotten. Like when you, when you get a guy who's actually innocent, like, Hey, we're getting the guy, we're getting somebody and we're going to, you know, mark this murder is solved and boom, somebody's getting, somebody's getting punished, you know, but What's always and that's almost is, like the fog which, of war too. It's it's just like the is it is it just because there's so much there is it just because of the sheer amount of like there has to be there has to be some agreed upon final point. You know, is that the reason? Like because truth. I mean, like I I don't know. You know, because, I just yeah. I don't like truth is truth will say for truth is the answer. Like that is those cliches are thrown out the window because it's it's uh conclusions aren't always based on those things so like is the conclusion just to say just to put a check in the box and say uh yeah this bad thing happened and we have deemed this person the reason that happened and we fixed it you know what i mean i i think that's it i think that's the and morris mentions this and i mean i've heard a lot of people mention this because you know i i try to keep up in like the criminal justice realms and stuff but like it's i think a lot of people especially a lot of people in government prosecutors police officers judges these people i think often think the justice system is a punishment system and not a justice system like the and we can have argument all day long on what the justice system is intended for and you know whether it's actually intended to rehabilitate which I think it's pretty clear that most people in these offices that I just mentioned actually want anybody rehabilitated or they just want to get rid of them from society. I think it's pretty clear what most of those people want. And I think that's the difference. I think these people like, it's just like, well, we got a guy and like, it's this almost catharsis of like, we're going to kill this person and you know, because somebody's got to die because of this. There, we couldn't possibly just not solve this or whatever. We got to kill somebody, you know, and somebody has to be punished for this crime. And I, and that's all I can figure is they just get so blinded by this uh, <laughs> bloodlust, for lack of a better word, that they are willing to look past, like, like uh, Morris says, they're, you know, it engenders mistakes. They're willing to look past this when they're got their eyes on that death penalty, uh, rather than think, actually looking to you know find the correct person, or better yet, you know, not convict the an innocent person. And I I think too like like I was saying you know the influx of of all this of all these crimes and stuff too. I I think that the idea of a check in the box or like the problem is solved you know um is is like the end goal rather than like what is what is the end goal with the criminal justice system is it to rehabilitate or is it just to just say 
don't worry, problem's fixed. You know, if, if you call an electrician because something's going on with your lights in your house and they come over and they open the fuse box and there's a thousand unmarked fuses, it's essentially like they're like, well, we'll try this one. That one doesn't do it. That one does do it. Ah, this taking a while, you know. Oh, that one did something. We're going to call that one good, you know, and it's like that doesn't fix the problem at all. It's it's almost the same thing. We're just like if you had a bomb squad come in and there was seven different wires and they're just like, we're just going to cut one and that'll fix it. Don't you worry. You know, mm-hmm. like that. That's the one that it, like it's it's almost just so surface level. I think it's um, like something has been done and we have, right. you know, atoned for whatever, be happy, whether yeah, it was, be happy that whether we put it was the right energy or wrong into doing something. <laughs> yeah. Whether it was right or wrong, we did something. Somebody got punished. And that's the important thing is somebody got punished. Not whether, yeah, not whether it was the correct person or the correct punishment or justified or not. Hey, somebody got punished for this. So like, that's good. And I think that's, I think that's where a lot of those mistakes come from because people just don't care uh, who and, they're and, railroading. And like at the same time too, is it so hard to, is it too nuanced to really, the, the I feel like the amount of people who care about all that, like, I think there's a lot of people who want, who, who would say they want um, to change these things, but don't have the, the, but really just can't. And they're not nuanced enough or they don't, can't understand the nuances of it. You know what I mean? Um, like, it's I don't know I don't know it's it's a good question like all around like everything is so nuanced so so it's just like how you know are you really are you really ready to dive into this and I think that's where like directors like Oppenheimer Morris come in because they are they're like hey I want to this is what this is what I'm working on and I'm not just shooting a movie to for the box office or, and, and it's actually kind of funny because you know Aaron Morris has this. Uh, he was kind of peeved about it. It was uh, this because this movie was marked. It was marked as like nonfiction. He he says in this interview, he says, uh, "I should point out that the use of non nonfiction feature so kindly describes a moment ago uh, was really a marketing tool. Probably the same could be said for the Truman or for Truman Capote as well. And then um, the desire to get your work before a larger audience, which is at least part of the motivation in making movies." And it's almost like uh, he, so he was a little bit peeved that it was kind of marked as a nonfiction feature, you know. But at the same time, he did that to get it in front of more eyes. So it's it, in a weird way. I don't know if this is making sense to anybody else or just in my brain. But is that kind of like the same? Like, I don't know where I was going with that. To be honest, I, I think I was kind of like, is that kind of the same thing as uh, a lot of these? lawyers and prose- prosecutors and stuff like that they almost like they want to they're they're playing into the game is the, is the game rigged or are the players rigging the game i guess is where i'm going uh it's hard not to say both right um and i think like, that's I like think that the adds players, into the nuances of it all you know yeah i think the players like da's or whatever you know police officers fabricating evidence or da's deciding to look past evidence you know that would indicate innocence uh, I would say is rigging the game for that's already, you know, a, ri- a game rigged for this. Like it's hard to, there's no way to eradicate or it's hard to eradicate that. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that itself rigs the game 
for you know for the state i would i would say uh which is once again pretty depressing um but yeah i, don't know. I, I think mean, it just, opens up a lot of like different perspectives into seeing things uh and, and i think that's what you know movies and documentaries like this are so great at you know what i mean is just kind of showing you that other perspectives are out there whether it's hard for you to buy into or, or whether you don't want to believe it or or whatever the case is you know um like and i think that's like the other hard part when it comes to like the criminal justice system too it's like these things break the good people, the good ones, the ones who want to find the issue, they they give it all they have, and then they still come up short, and they're just like, I don't have the stamina to keep going. It's it's like his, the the lawyer that uh, Adams had, you know, the the guy, like he had the stamina. In his other lawyer, even talks about it, like this young enthusiastic lawyer he wants to do right. He's always excited about all these cases and stuff like that. And then you you get to the interview with him, and he's like Ben Stein, you know. And he's just like, yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah, it was rough, you know? It just, like, burned yeah. him out. And um, I don't know if there's a correction for that, but definitely, like, seeing humanity and, in that through other lenses, I think, is helpful for it. Yeah, and I think I think that's right. Because you see, like, something like that, or, you know, you see a lot of times there's DAs get sick of being DAs and prosecuting these people that they don't want to prosecute. Uh, and then they become defense attorneys because they just can't take being part of this system that is, you know, trying, you know, rail railroading people for little to no reason or, you know, like police officers that uh, kind of get, I don't know, hassled or pushed, pushed outside the, uh, the, I guess fellowship would be the right word of the police officers. <laughs> Because they are willing to push back against corruption or, you know, stuff like that. Or, you know, willing to blow the whistle on, you know, police brutality or whatever. So, yeah, uh, and same thing goes, misconduct. you know, And everywhere. so you lose these, yeah, you lose these good, you lose the good ones because they're sick of it. So all you're left with, or most of, you know, you're left with people who are willing to, you know, quote, play the game and, you know, and so you get, so you're the, the system gets worse because it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. The system's bad. Good people get discouraged. You lose, you know, good police officers, good DAs, uh, you know, even good defense attorneys because these people get discouraged. So you're left with a larger and larger share of people who are willing to quote unquote play the game, you know, and uh, aren't as concerned about the ethical ramifications of their actions uh and then you're left with some a situation like this or you know i just saw an article the other day of you know a man just got released from prison after 25 years because a cop had uh planted evidence uh, on him that got him you know they got him put in jail for that long and he finally got finally got exonerated or whatever and so you're you're left with these situations and it's it's just like yeah, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy and you hope it can be broken at some point, you know, and there can be some kind of checks and balances put in place and some kind of reform put in place to, you know, fix these fix these issues. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. I, I think and 
it's uh just one more like interesting kind of uh quote from Morris here. He he talks about um he he said that he he's never liked the idea from uh Goddard that film is truth twenty four times a second. He's like, I have a slightly mm-hmm. different version. Film is lies twenty four times a second. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's uh but is it? It's a. It, it's in a weird way. And again, I don't know if this is making sense to anybody. But inside my head, it's like that way of like, okay, we're gonna play the game to tell the truth. We're gonna we're gonna play the game wrong to tell to show the right way to play it almost. And that's I feel like kind of how, you know, throughout this, he's like, all right, we're gonna show the versions as as they were seen, and then throughout it, it's like the onion. Going back to the onion analogy, throughout that, you start to get to the truth. You start to get to the, you know. Yeah, by showing the falsities, you're right. you're leading to the truth, right. uh, which is something, and I think that's a, a something that I think good documentarians do, and I think Errol Morris has done this multiple times yeah. in his documentaries, is that he, you go in with something in mind, and you say I have an idea to do X, and then you're not you can't be married to that idea because you have to kind of go with wherever the information you're bringing in, wherever that takes you. Because right. he said in that interview, he said, when I started this, I thought, you know, I started looking in the case. I didn't know where I was going to come to at the end. I didn't know my conclusion because I hadn't gotten there yet. You know, right. I just, op- you know, I just started looking. So of course I hadn't figured this out because I hadn't uncovered all these irregularities and all this stuff. And it's something not to the same type or degree or whatever, you want to call it, but he does the same thing in uh, in one, another one of his docs that I really like is Vernon, Florida. Um, it's only I want to I want to I want to watch Vernon, Florida, real bad. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, That's on my it's on Criterion Channel, I believe, yeah. but it's only like seventy minutes, I think. But yeah, he, it was the same. He went there. He went down to this to Vernon, Florida, this town, to investigate. There was some some insurance fraud. There was thought to be going on. People were like cutting off limbs to get money, to get payouts and stuff like that. And I think that's supposedly why he went down. And then he, by looking into this, it has, the film has nothing to do with that. It's just him talking to people in this town and exploring these different types of people and what they think and kind of just letting them talk. So like, his his initial idea has nothing to do with what the end product is. And that's what, you know, the same type of thing happens here. You know, he goes in expecting one thing or investigating one thing and you don't know where you're going to come, but like a good documentarian is able to bring in this information and still make a good story out of that. Is willing yeah. to like roll with the punches. And yeah. uh yeah, and like you said, you're willing to use the information you get, whether it be truth or whether it be lies to tell tell a story and hopefully uh, tell it (laughs) as truthfully as possible. Like he said, he didn't agree with Godard's uh, 24 truths a second. It's more like lies, which is what's man. We're just tying all kinds of previous films we've done, (laughs) which is something we talked about in F for fake with Orson Welles. Yeah. And that's something he explores of like how easy it is for, you know, for film and stuff to lie and to you know lead us in the wrong direction or whatever uh yeah i would tend to agree with errol 
uh, and I get the truth metaphor, but yeah, film, film is, is lies. And hopefully, like he said, you can take it in the right direction to tell the truth. I think that is probably as good of a spot as we've ever come to the end on. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't get to, uh, we didn't get to the thin blue, why it's called the thin blue line and stuff, but we kind of did. We, we, uh, I mean, we worked around it, but that is a good spot to end. I think. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about that a little bit, but I, I think for the most part, that's uh, that's a very small piece of this entire documentary. Yeah, I thought it, it's interesting why it's called that rather than something else, because it right. is a small piece. It was like one argument and the judge talks about how he got teared up. But yeah, I thought it was interesting that they called it that. Um, yeah. But I think that, well, maybe it's not as interesting because... Like he says in that, the we just said we were going to end, but I'm I'm going to go on another tangent. I feel like <laughs> full of hot air today, but uh, because he talks about like you know the thin blue line was created as you know a reference to you know the line that office police officers create that's the line between law and order and anarchy or whatever, right? And uh, I think that's might be part of along with you know just wanting to punish somebody. I think that's like, that's why you get somebody like Randall Adams is because like, we need to protect this line. You know, we need to, you know, we need to create law and order. We need to punish somebody for this crime to hold that line together rather than, you know, being willing to look deeper into it. And, you know, rather than keeping this facade of the thin blue line alive, we need to actually look into it and make sure you're getting the right person. Right. For sure. And uh, I think, yeah. I think too, it's like, that's, that's the means to, to an end, right? Like it's like the completion, you know? And, and, and it even touched on that too, with like this DA, uh, this DA was like every, every case he tried, he had won, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. was he after the truth or was he after a perfect record? Exactly. And can those yeah. two exist in the same, can the, can that exist? You know, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe so. But yeah, you, yeah, it's, uh, and yeah, just to keep this, uh, whatever, I, I don't know this, uh, mirage of the thin blue line, uh, in the minds of people as something that's real, you know, we need to keep this in people's minds that we are the only thing keeping everything from anarchy. We need to prove our, prove our worth by you know punishing as many people as possible to show that we're you know keeping us away from anarchy rather than like you said rather than searching for the truth and you know being wrong sometimes you know yeah and i think that's like like if the da has a perfect record chances are he's not correct 100 percent of the time or the state isn't correct in prosecuting people 100 percent of the time so if you Mm -hmm. got a perfect record chances are you know you're not totally concerned with the truth but nevertheless, nevertheless, <laughs> well, this was an uplifting episode, Ty. <laughs> don't you just have a great view on, uh, don't you just have a great view uh, on, um, on humanity now? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess we'll, we don't have anything. Well, yeah. Uh, maybe we'll do something more upbeat next time. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe, not. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. 
yeah, we don't have anything for next week, correct, Ty? No, or we don't have anything in the weeks, works, but we will have we will have an episode next week. We don't have any uh, ex- exclusive idea of what that is. If you want to be a part of that conversation, there's a couple different ways you can help us help us out. Um, you could write us an email. Um, that's at rollitpodcast at gmail.com. Or if you're um, more, I don't know where I was going to what i was gonna say i'm getting ahead of myself here or you can hit us up on social media at roll podcast on twitter and instagram anything else ryan uh i don't think i don't think so you can give us a rating and review on apple podcast we'd appreciate that um and i think that's it yeah we'll see y'all in two weeks with uh once again something to be determined everybody's favorite see you then